Ron and Anian. When you're in a situation like that, and sometimes, especially when you're a mechanic, you find yourself feeling like you're talking to yourself. Talking to you is like talking to myself. The car doctor is the anti-theft warning indicator, Ron. And if you don't know which light is the anti-theft warning indicator, boy, you've got a problem. You know, that's just one of the things you need to know about your car. It's, it's critical. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, did you hear about the problems at Volkswagen? No, not those problems. Different problems. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's phone number to get in and talk to me. We can solve your car problem if you're new to this radio show. Give us a call. We want to uh, we want to help you understand your car a little bit better. We want to help you uh, have that adult conversation with your mechanic after we have one and talk about how to get your car back in top shape or to keep it there, either or. 855-560-9900. There's more information about this radio show, by the way, at cardoctorshow.com. If you're hearing us live on one of our many affiliates across America, great. But if you're looking for podcasts of this radio show or you're looking for another way to tune in or tell your friends, tell them to get out to cardoctorshow.com. They'll find podcasts there. They'll also find some links down the left side of the page, tunein.com, and you'll find information about iHeart and iTunes.com. And keep in mind, if you need the car doctor during the week, I'm on call 24-7. Send me an email, ron at cardoctorshow.com. 98 Volkswagen came into the shop this week. You know, some weeks I think Volkswagen makes it too easy to pick on them, and uh, it, it just it just gets better and better each and every day. I enjoyed Tuesday, by the way. Did you see Tuesday? Volkswagen stock fell 22%, $17.2 billion or some crazy number like that. And I couldn't help but think, maybe my acronym VW, maybe Virtually Worthless is really going to be true to what they become. But we'll have to wait and see as they go through this metamorphosis and this change because Volkswagen is not going to look the same again, if at all, ever for a very long time. But this 98 Volkswagen came into the shop, a Beetle. And the complaint was that while you're driving along after a while, the red light on the dashboard started flashing, and that meant overheat. Now, fortunately, the customer showed some common sense, which is sort of uh, a rarity in this day and age, but this person actually showed common sense and pulled over, parked the car, called for a tow truck, and had it towed in. They didn't want to drive it. They were fearful of, of hurting it. And I was like, wow, look at this, somebody that, you know, kind of gets it, like a dash warning light goes off, and they pay attention. Imagine that. So naturally, it fell onto my rack because I think the boys in the shop were trying to prove that, you know, how much I love Volkswagens. And you know what? I do love Volkswagens, especially the taillights leaving the shop. But, you know, it was like, fix the car, Ron. All right, I'll fix the car. Ran it, did my usual code, went through my diagnostic routine, and found out the cooling fans were not coming on at all. It would get up to 245 degrees, and then the red light would start flashing on the dashboard, meaning that it was approaching meltdown. And I thought about it for a second. I got to say, well, gee, if I let it melt down, that's one less Volkswagen on the road. But then we'd have, there's not a lot of room in the landfills lately, especially with the latest Volkswagen recall. So I guess I'll fix this one and keep it running, he said tongue-in-cheek. So you go through the way they wire the cooling fans on this. And there's a point to this story, I promise, in that you look at the stupidity, because there's no other way to put it. They mount the fuse block or one of the fuse blocks 
for this particular Beetle, like they do on a lot of their cars, on top of the battery. Now, I want to know what engineer in their right mind mounts something as delicate as a fuse box and fusible links on top of a device that spews acid as it gets older, right? Batteries, you know, gas, and they, they vent, and, and, and acid comes out. And As a matter of fact, this Volkswagen, the top of the battery was a little wet, and it had corrosion on the terminals. And the fuses are a quarter of an inch above it laying there in this plastic housing. Turns out that the 30-amp fuse, the last one on the left, was melted. It had it had burst away, and the bottom part of the fuse box was melted and dissolved, and it had taken the fuse out with it. And that happened to be the fuse that ran the electric cooling fans. Okay, so I started to trace the circuit. It comes down out of that fuse. It goes down to a thermo-wax switch in the bottom of the radiator. Thermo-wax switches went out about 1974, because that's where we started to have vacuum switches with wax pellets in them to open and close. A lot of the car companies went to thermo time or thermo point switches that were much more accurate, whereas this wax switch is, it should come on at 195 degrees. Yeah, give or take, 195, 212, 220, 205. You know, it depends on the manufacturer, what day of the week it is, and a bunch of other factors, but it's close. After that switch... It then goes to one of two places. There's three wires coming to that switch. There's a hot coming down from the fuse. There's a hot that goes over to the two fans, which are wired in series. And then there's a smaller gauge wire, which runs over to this $250 fan controller module, which runs only the high-speed fan. Now, if you look at a typical car, a normal car per se, most are run fan switch, computer command, or a fan switch that goes to a relay, which will just flip one way or the other and run a higher or low fan, not Volkswagen, we're going to overcomplicate it. We're going to put everything in the system. This way, everything has to be looked at and diagnosed. What it turned out was the high-quality 1958 technology thermal wax switch in the lower left corner of the radiator had stuck on and ran the fans to the point that they actually, one of them actually burnt itself out and it was hard to turn, and it melted the fuse holder. So maybe the car was saying, I've had enough. I just want to self-destruct. Maybe that was meltdown. Maybe that was like, you know, on Star Trek when Captain Kirk says, self-destruct sequence and let's, let's energize and away we go. But bottom line, that to repair this Volkswagen, very tedious, very time-consuming. A lot of which way does this wire go and what does this wire do? And I think when you approach a Volkswagen, it's it's part of the diagnosis. It's, you know... They're okay to work on. Did I say that? They're okay to work on, but there's there's a mentality to them. There's a process that you have to sit down and decipher. And and the biggest problem is, chances are what you learn on the Volkswagen today will be different on the next Volkswagen tomorrow. And it could be another 98 Beetle, but if it was made a different week they might have had leftover war surplus parts, so they decided to just make things entirely different and use up more components and add more things to the car. Because, you see, when you're fixing a Volkswagen, it's it's a fix like nothing else. But you've got to have a couple of things in order to be a proper Volkswagen owner, and I think it translates well to the rest of you out there driving every other car. Number one, you've got to have common sense. She did the right thing. She came in when the hot light was on. Number two... She authorized me and gave me the okay to diagnose and repair the problem. Instead of throwing parts at it, everything got diagnosed. 
I didn't put a fan controller in it. Didn't need it. The high side fans were good. Put a thermal wax switch, changed the fuse box, which it could have been on someplace other than the battery, and put a set of fans in it. And yeah, $1,000 later, the car was fixed. But you know what? We still got our Volkswagen, and we can drive it around with the little flower in the dashboard and look good because um, that's what Volkswagen owners like to do. So I just wanted to start the hour today telling you a Volkswagen story. I thought it would be appropriate. I know a lot of you think I hate Volkswagen. I just look at them, and I scratch my head, and I say, why? And um, we're going to find out just if they are virtually worthless in the coming weeks because commenting on that Volkswagen story that we all read about this week with emissions, and uh, real quick, I'll just dump into this real quick. The Volkswagen problem is that they basically designed a bunch of their diesel cars to run on software that only when they do the emissions test for inspection does the vehicle come into compliance. Other than that, the software is cheating and running the car in a different mode to give it better performance, but emitting higher emissions levels. And I've read reports where the emissions levels are 30 to 35% above federal spec. So I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. And that's what you're going to be falling for because uh, Volkswagen's got its issues. The CEO stepped down Wednesday. There's a new CEO in place, the guy from Porsche, and uh, you're going to watch Volkswagen fall from position of number one world number one automaker down to something else, and uh, it's going to be an interesting fall as we see them take their take their tumble. But you know what's going to be really interesting to see if people will be loyal to them. I have this theory, and I'll say it right here: everybody knocks GM, Ford, and Chrysler, and you love to bash the American car companies. I have not seen the furor that people bash GM, Ford, and Chrysler coming up against Volkswagen. Yeah, a little bit here and there, but everybody's like, poor Volkswagen. You know what? They did something wrong. They cheated, and they deserve to have their hand held to the fire. Let's see if everybody can take the heat. 855-560-9900. I'm Ron Anning in the car, Doctor. I'll be back to open the garage doors right after this. Welcome back. Ron and the car doctor rolling along. Let's get up and kick the garage doors back and welcome Pat from Chicago, Illinois, 99 Olds, and some questions about PCM and transmission. Pat, welcome to the car doctor. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, I have a question. I recently had a PCM installed on my car, replaced on my car because it quit altogether. Right. And, uh, but I was wondering if that had anything to do with the hard shifting I had with the transmission problem earlier because I had a solenoid replace my transmission three weeks before that, and the problem came back three weeks after, just before I was about to take it in, the car quit, and I changed my PCM. So now I'm wondering if the solenoid was even a problem to begin with. So, in other words, what you're saying, if I understand you, Pat, is that you had a problem with the way the trans was shifting. They diagnosed and replaced a solenoid, and three weeks later, the car just died. It was diagnosed as a bad PCM, and now the car shifts and operates normally. Yeah, before I could bring it back to the original shop that did the transmission, the car was working perfect. Well, here's here's the deal. Guess what might have taken out the PCM? The solenoid. If the solenoid, oh. if, if depending upon how the solenoid failed, 
and just exactly what it was doing. All all solenoids that generation vehicle require a certain resistance value, typically twenty ohms or less. And if it was um, if it was a problem, if it was out of range, and or twenty ohms or more, I'm sorry, um, there's a range there. And if it was out of range, uh, it could cause a short inside that PCM and create the problem of a shifting point, and now it's fixed, so it sort of looks like you didn't need the second rather than the latter. Every time we used to change PCMs on those cars, we always had to ohm all the solenoids. There was a way to go into the connector at the uh, ECM with the manufacturers, the rebuilders, GM, or whoever it was, would have us go through and ohm out all the solenoids or uh, control modules or whatever we were testing in that circuit to make sure they met a certain resistance value because otherwise you'd plug in a new PCM and pop that one too. So you you, you kind of did it backwards and saved yourself a step from the sounds of it that, it yeah, if it's working, it's probably it was the trans solenoid was bad, and that's what took out the PCM in the first place. Oh, Okay. Well, great. I really appreciate the information. All right, sir. Um, and you're lucky. You know, I should point out, too, you're lucky to have found a PCM simply because, obviously, Oldsmobile is gone these many years. And, uh, you know, one of the problems I always said with computer cars is, is coming home to roost in that the electronics are getting harder to find on older models. It's the same as, you know, now trying to find a valid Windows XP operating system or a computer that would run it. It just doesn't exist technology is marching marching on and you're finding that it's uh it's that way with automobiles as well sir all right okay fantastic thanks so much you're very welcome you have a good rest of the day and say hey to the gang out in chicago let's go over and talk to george in the bronx new york 2011 volkswagen george i'll be gentle what's going on here hey how you doing uh, all right well right now i'm having problems with my volkswagen and okay. it's a 2011 gti right and uh well I, uh, I crashed it in early January. I slipped on a black ice. Right. And uh, it, I had to tow it because it wouldn't drive. And so after I towed it, I sent it to an uh, auto body shop in, on Boston Road in the Bronx. And then uh, they fixed it. They did the auto body work. And then it started, it, it was misfiring. So my engine kept on shaking. Right. And... After the, after a while, I I kind of ended up driving it while it was misfiring, which I shouldn't have done. But then around like uh, I want to say like three three weeks, uh, it just the transmission it started getting jumpy on me. The RPM started bouncing, and the car kept on pulling me back like back and forth. Right. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this, George. When you scan this for codes, what sort of information did you get out of it? Uh, I had a first. It was the crank, sh uh, the crankshaft sensor. Right. That was the only sensor that popped up after uh, the miss. It was also the en uh, engine misfire or piston misfire. Okay, so so it had a misfire fault. It had a crank position fault. Were, was any of that diagnosed and repaired? Um, the the misfiring was repaired. Okay, but. After the misfiring was repaired, uh, it, the, it was still jumpy on me with the transmission. All right. So it, after that, I sent it to my uncle. And uh, I had to actually tow it. I paid $400 to tow it from the Bronx to Massachusetts. Okay, hang on a second. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me back you up a minute. 
after after the check engine light fault codes were diagnosed and repaired, is the check engine light still out? Yeah, the check engine light was still on. No, still on or still off? Still, it was still on after I sent it to the shop and they fixed the, the misfiring. Okay, so they didn't fix the misfiring then. It still has the problem. Yeah, but the code wasn't popping up for the misfiring. Okay, what code was popping up? It was the crankshaft sensor. Okay, but didn't they fix that as well? That's what we sent them to get. We sent the, the car to get fixed for the misfiring, and then after that, I sent it to my uncle to help to take the check engine light off to see what the problem was because we didn't know what was going on. Cause okay, so where does it where does it stand now? Right now, it's it's uh it's still just jumping on the train. It's jumped on the transmission every time it's going from like I'd say what first to second gear. It just is going to pull you back and forth. Okay, is the check engine light still on? The check engine light is not on. All right, does the check engine light light up when you turn the key on and the engine's off? I'm sorry, could you say that again? When you turn the key on and the engine is off, is the check engine yeah. light still on? In other is words, the check engine light still on? Yes, no, it's, in, it's on. It, it, when the engine is off, does the check engine light light up if you turn the key mm. on? No. Okay, so the check engine light is it doesn't. Wait a minute, let's back up a second. This is key. You turn the key on and the engine is off. Does the check engine? Oh yes, yes, yes. The check engine light does. Yes. Okay. I, I didn't understand. So, all right, that's okay. So we have bulb check. All right, which which I just want to verify that the system's operating properly. All right. What all did, right. What did your uncle at the trans shop do to repair the check engine light fault? Did he say? Um. No, he actually didn't. He actually didn't. Uh, repair the the engine light not the engine i'm sorry he didn't repair the transmission because we sent it to him and he fixed started fixing up the sensors that saying that were misplaced okay i'm confused because it sounds like it sounds like the first shop fixed the misfires then crank sensor faults came out and then it went to your uncle for crank sensor faults but he's a trans shop no he's not a trans he's not a trans shop he he's just himself. Like I mean, okay. he's just a he's a shop. Okay. So right now, they're all the faults are repaired, but the vehicle doesn't accelerate properly. Uh, yes, that's correct. It okay. feels like it's not a. It feels like like the airflow sensor is, is like it's not breathing properly. That's what it kind of seems like. Okay. Number one, and the clock's going to take me, George. So I got to be quick. Number one, you may want to talk to your insurance company because if any of this is accident related. All the money you're spending is covered under your policy because it extends from the accident. Number two, take a careful look at mass airflow readings and fuel trim to see if they're anywhere near in spec, and then call me back, and we can have another conversation from there. Clock's going to take me, George. I'm sorry. Hey, coming up next, Paul Eisenstein. I'll be back right after this. Quite a week in the world of uh, automobiles this week, folks. Hello and welcome, by the way. I'm Ron Anini in the car doctor. Uh, Volkswagen was caught up in a scandal, unless you were living under a rock or visiting the Pope in New York City, which you might have been. Um, You'd you, you have to hear about this. It was. Um, it, it's quite a bit in the news. Um, just out of the Detroit Bureau, the DetroitBureau.com, our good friend Paul Eisenstein, he wrote, German authorities now say... 
2.8 million Volkswagen diesel vehicles sold in that country are affected by the maker's rigging of emission tests. But VW may not be the only maker implicated. I know this guy on radio who said when he first heard about this, it was the tip of the iceberg. Back to Paul. The suspect turbo diesel engine used by Volkswagen apparently also was sold to several other manufacturers, including Chrysler and Mitsubishi, for use in some of the European models. Wow. And that's the only word that comes to my mind because I think Volkswagen is in a world of trouble, and so are a lot of other vehicle manufacturers. Here to help us sort out with the facts, our friend Paul Eisenstein at the Detroit Bureau, the DetroitBureau.com. Paul, welcome back to The Car Doctor, sir. Good to be with you. And uh, your reference to the Pope may be appropriate because I think VW it doesn't have a prayer without some divine inter- intervention. Yeah, absolutely. They are in a world of trouble uh, you know, on Tuesday, correct me if I'm wrong, their stock fell 22%, I think was the number. And I think at the moment they're down about 38%. Wow. The scandal was was uh, first uh, set into motion uh, a week and a half ago when the EPA announced that there were 482,000 vehicles here in just the United States likely affected by uh, by this problem. Uh we're going to see a big recall here. We may see even bigger recalls in Europe. You recall, not only is VW one of the largest makers in the world, and certainly in Europe with its various brands, but that diesels also happen to be the dominant form of powertrain in Europe. So uh, this is going to be big over there if it proves that they were cheating there as well, and it now it's starting to look that way. Well, and the, you know, Paul, I think that, the biggest damage will be to the image of diesel engines, unfortunately. They, people yeah. will look at this as, and just when diesels were starting to come out of the out of the closet, so to speak, and around away from, you know, big old dirty, smoky, noisy, uh, they were getting very high tech. They were being, they were very clean. They were very efficient. And then this just sort of tarnished their image. And, um, you know, here we go again, and it's going to take a long time for the public to forget. What do you think the public's reaction is going to be to this, Paul? Have you have you seen any indicators yet? Well, we're already hearing some things that sales at VW stores in general, I'm told, have really collapsed. I think they've lost so much trust that it's going to really hurt them in general. Uh, and then when you uh, add up the fact that they have already taken their uh, their uh, diesels. The, the four-cylinder version, anyway, off the market. They've essentially said, for the time being, they have no interest, uh, no ability to sell them because uh, those vehicles can't be quickly fixed. As a matter of fact, I don't know if VW knows at all. Uh, but the, the real question is what will happen long-term to the diesel market in general. And that's unclear, but it looks like it could take a big hit. Uh, Mike Jackson, who runs AutoNation, you know, the largest, the largest uh, uh, auto dealer chain in the country said this is a real black eye. And where do you think this leaves the manufacturers that are using the Volkswagen engine in their cars, like Chrysler, for example? Uh, well, that's an interesting question. Now, there aren't a huge number of them, but uh, it turns out that some manufacturers were using or buying these diesels from, from uh, VW for use overseas, particularly in Europe. Uh, Chrysler was using them apparently through its bankruptcy, which, as you may recall, uh, ran through 2009. And uh, it, it, right now it's unclear 
not only did they use the engines, but did they also use the suspect technology, the, the engine control technology that had this so-called defeat device, basically a bunch of software code embedded in it. We don't know that yet, but we uh, can suspect that, uh, that some of the VW products or some of the VW engines used in Chrysler products will come under investigation. Paul, you're closer to this than I. Your, your gut call, just an opinion. Do you think when Volkswagen did this, they knew the mistake they were making, or was this was this just a, a, an honest mistake? It was not an honest mistake. No, there's no question that they knew what they were doing, and they intentionally looked to game the system. This isn't like a some sort of code that just accidentally just happens under certain conditions to make the initial the emission system work correctly. And the, all the rest of the time, it just happens to not work right. No, this was uh, and it was not only intentional, but it wasn't the case of a few bad apples. Again, back to Mike Jackson over at AutoNation, who has worked inside automakers. Remember, he ran Mercedes here in North America for a while, and he was very active uh, in the Mercedes network globally. So he knows what goes on in these companies. And as Mike said, this was a systemic problem. Uh, clearly a problem that led, if it didn't lead all the way to former CEO Wintercorn, it came awfully close. A couple of years ago, I'll go back, I think it was about four and a half years ago, you and I first spoke, and the article we were talking about at the time was Volkswagen's quest to become the number one auto manufacturer in the world. I never forgot this. And you said to me, Ron, they're going to have a rough road because somewhere along the way, there's a bump in the road. And I don't think you were referring to this because I don't think you had any inkling that this was going to be it. But this is about as big a bump in the road as you can get, isn't it? Uh, this is sort of like a 60-foot pothole right? Uh, that can swallow up just about anything that manufacturer produces, even its heavy-duty trucks. That's uh, Yeah, I forgot about that comment, but you're right. This is a company that may, may totally be derailed by this. Uh, look, look, look at just the potential cost that they're going to face. Can we even measure that yet? I mean, do we have a way to, you know, I mean, we can probably measure it to the company, but then to the individual dealers, to the techs they might have to lay off, to the people, to the guy at the sandwich shop that doesn't have the dealership to sell lunch to anymore, to the snap-on truck driver, to the... That's an interesting point. Now, we'll we'll, we'll skip the add-ons for a moment. We'll get back to that. But if you look at what VW's done. They have 482,000 vehicles that violated the Clean Air Act intentionally. Uh, this is one thing when you screw up and you, know, you make a mistake. This was an intentional dodge, and they tried to deny it almost to the very last second when the EPA announced that they had, a, you know, that they had this problem on the, uh, the 18th of this month. So they could be subject to 37500 dollars per vehicle sold. Uh, to save you the math, that's about $18 billion. Wow. Okay, now let's add the fact that as far as I know, there are already at least four class action suits on behalf of consumers. They may sue for any number of reasons, uh, including the lost value of these vehicles, which certainly would go on the market. We need to talk about this. What do consumers do? But we'll go on the market if you were selling them now for less than what they would have gotten two weeks ago. Right. Uh, then we have the Justice Department, which is launching a criminal investigation. Do I expect them to come back with fines? Absolutely. 
Oh, sure. Uh, we Any, have anywhere we can others. we can make money, uh, you know, and and you know, stand up and bang the drum about. Look at all the good we're doing. Hey, Paul, I'll tell you what. Let me pull over and take a pause. Uh, I don't want to let this go. It's too good. You stay right where you are. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor here this hour with Paul Eisenstein of the DetroitBureau.com. Paul, you're still there, sir. I am. Uh, we were having such a wonderful chat, and it's just, just there's just so much here. Uh, and the conversation was all about Volkswagen and their current goings-on. And you were going to talk a little bit about the, um, the, the, the cost ramifications, and then we were going to talk a little bit about the add-ons. you want to continue where you left off? Yeah, well, just uh, let, let, let's cut that short. Uh, the bottom line, you've got... EPA fines. You've got the Justice Department, which will probably bring a criminal charge, some sort of criminal investigation down. I wouldn't be surprised in this case, unlike some of the other recent ones, where they even bring criminal charges against individuals, because you have people that actively try to deceive the government. I mean, that's unusual, where it goes that far and that late in the game, where they just plain lied to the faces of investigators from the EPA. Do you think the days of uh, Volkswagen... Do you think the days of yeah. Volkswagen being the number one automaker are, are done for a while, if, if not forever? Uh, very good shot that they're going to have a problem right now, yeah. yeah. They, 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 they'll probably slip behind uh, Toyota again. And, and by the way, another reason is they're so dependent on China, which is slipping as well. Uh, b- bottom line, you'll have lawsuits. You'll have regulators taking action against over, them overseas. You'll have consumers. There's, there's class action and moving in. Uh, VW's direction from from Italy. I mean, South Korean regulators are investigating this thing. I I, I expect they are going to be nailed so fast and hard in so many angles that they're not going to know what to do. And frankly, they're in a position right now that for them to try to fight it, remember how they they try to resist three decades ago the the unintended acceleration problem 25 years ago uh, involving Audi oh, yeah. uh, and while they were ultimately proved right their image as not caring about consumers almost destroyed Audi certainly here in the United States they still aren't up to the competition right. in terms of raw value yep. so VW is in a position where they're probably gonna have to spend money beyond what they normally would if they lawyer it up but because they can't afford to tell have consumers believe They'd rather continue the cover-up. I think part of Volkswagen's problem, too, now is, and unfortunately the owners will feel the brunt of it, is how are they going to correct this emissions defect, which is the way the software runs the car, runs the engine, and give the owners the same performance and fuel economy? Because if they could have done that in the first place, they wouldn't have this problem. So the owner, after the recall... Conceivably, they're smarter now. Right. Well, you know, conceivably they're smarter. They 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 have better code. They can do it. But realistically, they can't. Right. Didn't mean didn't mean to cut you off. But no, you're, no. You're, you're right. And so here's the question: They have to meet emission standards, or those vehicles have to come off the road. If right. they come off the road, they have to buy them back. Yep. Uh, alternatively, they have to sacrifice either mileage or performance. And if they sacrifice either of them. They either have to buy the vehicles back, 
or face incredible uh, problems with the owners, most likely they're going to have to settle some of these class action suits for billions of dollars and give owners a lot of money for the fact that they didn't receive what they thought they bought. Right. Yep. And I think it's it's a it's a huge problem. It is the tip of the iceberg. It's going to be very interesting going forward. We're going to be hearing about this story for years to come. Hey, real quick before Absolutely. I let before I let you go, um, what are your thoughts? What do you get from the other car manufacturers? Are they wringing their hands in glee, or do they feel Volkswagen's pain? What do you think? Well, I think uh, Mary Barr over at GM's probably glad not to still be in the headlines as she was only a few weeks ago when GM paid nine hundred million dollars right. in fines to the Justice Department over concealing for 10 years their ignition switch problem. So Barr is probably happy about that. But here's the thing. Between that case, Toyota's case, uh, the, uh, the Hyundai-Kia lying about their fuel economy numbers a few years going on and on, uh, you're going to see the feds have to crack down. It used to be that automakers could self-certify. They'd run their own tests, give the numbers to the EPA and NHTSA, who would probably number crunch those things and say, yeah, the numbers add up. But I think going forward, you're going to see pressure on on the government to force the automakers to either have the government run those tests or to pay for independent third-party organizations to run tests that they, the government can trust to not be paid off. Yeah, it's it's going to come down to toe the line and uh, or, yeah. suffer, or suffer the consequences. Paul Eisenstein, the Detroit Bureau, the DetroitBureau.com. Always a pleasure, sir. You enjoy the rest of your Great weekend. Thanks, weekend. thanks for taking the thanks. time. You're very welcome. You take good care. I'm Ron and the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. car is automatic, it's systematic, it's hydromatic, wide-degreased lightning. Welcome back, Ron and Indy and the Car Doctor. You know, the takeaway from the Paul Eisenstein and VW conversation has to be, and here's what I want you to think about and be aware of in the coming years, because it's going to be a long time until we hear the end of this, has to be that those people that own diesel Volkswagens with this problem are not going to have either the same performance or fuel economy, and it's going to be a real issue for them. So uh, we'll see where this goes. Let's get over and take one more. Let's go talk to Paul Sr. He is our tech over at Ford out in Minnesota. He's been a longtime listener, and uh, he's calling in today. Paul, how are you today? What's going on? Oh, excellent, sir. I, 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 I fault myself for not getting back to you a number of, probably three months ago. I was talking, talking about our brand-new at that time, a 14 F-150 that would just die randomly with multiple network codes. Sure, I remember that, yep. Yeah, okay, finally figured it out. Yeah, what was it? And, yeah, again, fold, spindle, and mutilate the harness and found, again, like you were talking on that year Beetle earlier, they have the uh, the fuse bo- main fuse box right on top of the radiator. Oh, boy. Okay, caught that just by accident because I was being becoming very frustrated. Just happened to push on the harness as it was idling in my stall. It died. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Anyway, long story short, 
PCM relay contacts. Uh, you Brand know, new truck. They're they're giant pinball machines, aren't they? Oh yeah. Yeah, they really are. Oh, hey, yeah. hey, Paul, I got less than a minute. Was there a second part to the question, real quick? Okay, a quick one there too. Uh, talking about the Volkswagen diesel yeah. issue. Uh, just something to throw into the mix, which, uh, uh, talking to our other diesel techs on our Ford diesel board, it's interesting that Europe has a very high cetane rating on their fuel versus us. Yeah. That may have a player in there. That's interesting, too. That's something to consider. Paul, always good to hear from you. Give us a call again next time. We'll have a little bit more time. Until the next time, I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor reminding you good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya! See ya!